Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. A lot has changed in the world of Android phones since they first came out many years ago. In particular, there were some problems with accessibility for people who are visually impaired in the early days, but there's been a real evolution, and we'll be talking about that today. We'll speak with Anna Garza, who also goes by the name Access Anna, about how good accessibility of Android devices has become, the evolution of accessibility, and why you might consider using them. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Anna Garza. When you're trying to learn to use a smartphone or anything else, think about it in terms of actions. If you need to make a call, learn to make a call. And when you're done with that, then you learn something else, like learn to send a text message. Focus on one task at a time. That is such a great tip. There are so many things in life that are like that. It can look overwhelming to learn about some new task or some new function. But as you say, if you just take it step by step, one at a time for the tasks that you really need to perform, that's a lot easier way to learn it. Oh, yeah, your confidence is better, and so is your actual skill. Well, and your motivation is better because if there's actually a task you're trying to achieve, you'll be more motivated to learn how to do it instead of sitting down with the manual and you get to page two and you're overwhelmed and the thing keeps going. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Let's start by meeting Anna and learning about some of her other activities. So, Anna, you've been with us on the show several times in the past talking about Android accessibility and knitting and other topics. But for people who may not have heard that show, can you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Anna Garza. I do many things, but one of my biggest claims to fame is that I know a lot about Android accessibility, and I really like Android. And in that capacity, you are well-known on the internet as Access Anna. I've even written a book published by National Braille Press on Android. So that's an available resource. And the title is? The name of the book is Getting Started with Android. So anyway, you are quite an expert on using this as a visually impaired person because you've been blind for a long time, right? Yes, I've been blind since about the age of seven. And um, I've been using Android since it became accessible pretty much, which was about 10 years ago. It's evolved a lot. And I use my phone for work and for personal stuff and for entertainment. So I, I really like Android and I really get a lot out of it. Now tell us a little bit about what you do in real life when you're not playing with Android phones and technology. Well, um, up until recently, I had two jobs. I was an English lecturer and I was a community interpreter. And now I am just a court interpreter. And what's the difference between being a court interpreter and a community interpreter? Community interpreters do a little of this and a little of that. Uh, I used to do some medical interpreting. I did a lot of social service interpreting. 
I did a lot of mental health interpreting. And so we tend to go around to different service providers in our communities to um, interpret for people who are having encounters with different professionals. But a court interpreter is pretty much stationed at court or handles legal matters. And by interpreting, you mean you're converting whatever somebody says in English to whatever somebody else needs to hear in Spanish or vice versa. Correct. Now, last time we talked with you, it wasn't about Android accessibility or knitting, but it was about you getting into becoming a landlord and going into the rental business. And I wonder if you're interested in giving our listeners an update on how that's all going. Oh my goodness. Being a landlord is a lot of work. It's a big adventure. Um, Things are starting to settle down, but it, it still is a lot of work. The property I bought was a duplex. Basically it was a crack house and in a bad neighborhood. And so I've had to spend a lot of time getting it repaired and getting good tenants in. I've had a lot of tenant drama. I, I think I finally have some good tenants and their repairs have, um, I would say that I'm about two thirds of the way through. And so things are getting better. And just for your information, we really feel your pain. We have been landlords ourselves and From the sounds of it, we've run into similar issues. (laughs) We are no longer landlords. (laughs) Fortunately, that was a long time ago for us. And next week, we will be reprising the episode in which we spoke with Anna about buying that rental property and getting into being a landlord. So if you're interested, come back next week for that episode. Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Underwriting pairs the impact of targeted marketing with the integrity of community goodwill. Learn more by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is the current accessibility of Android devices and the progress that's been made in that department over the years. So anyway, we mostly wanted to talk today about... Android accessibility, and in particular, how accessibility for the visually impaired has improved over the years. Because when Android started out, there were a number of kinks in the system, as I recall. Yes, when Android started out, you needed to have a phone with a keyboard and physical arrow keys. And this was a little bit of a challenge because the whole point of Android is that it's a touch screen interface. And so we had this need for physical uh, arrow controls for the first few years of Android. And then around Android 4, there was a big breakthrough where we could use the touch screen, but basically the arrow keys were replicated in uh, virtual form on the touch screen itself. And so we needed to install special software to make that happen. And then in Android 4.1, we finally started to be able to work directly with the interface. We could single tap and double tap and we could explore the screen with our finger and we could actually do quite a lot. And that's, I think, when Android came into its own in terms of accessibility. A lot of people are more familiar with the nicknames for the various versions of Android. Which one was number 
Number four was ice cream sandwich. And then um, that's when we had our breakthrough. And 4.1 was jelly bean. And that's when Android really came into its own. And so for jelly bean and KitKat, we had good basic accessibility. And then in Android 8, we had uh, the final refinement of the system and that was Oreo. And what are we up to now? We're at Android Q, but ironically, now that everybody likes the um, nicknames, Google is calling it Android 10. They gave up with all those fancy names. <laughs> they did. I guess they couldn't come up with a Q dessert. Well, they could have used quinoa, but it just doesn't hold a candle to lollipops. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I guess after all these improvements and all these years, Android accessibility is pretty much on par with what people will see in iOS devices these days. In most respects, it is. But I think that one big improvement is people's attitudes toward Android accessibility. I think Android accessibility has been pretty good for a few years now. But um, the iOS community really liked their iOS devices and was very loyal to their iOS devices and very resistant to trying Android and to giving Android some of the credit it deserves. And um, with some of the glitches in the iOS uh, update cycles that have happened with accessibility in the last few years, more people have come over to Android to try it. And their comments are a lot more positive. Well, and I guess if you've been using an operating system for a long time, whether it's Android or iOS, there's a big reluctance to change because you have to learn a whole new set of gestures and paradigms of how to use the apps, etc. Absolutely. Old dogs and new tricks. Well, it's true. Even if you are fairly tech savvy, just learning all the new gestures and all of the new protocols, it can be a challenge. Yes, yes. And, you know, we get into this flow, we, we know how to do a certain thing in a certain way. And so breaking that habit and breaking that routine is, is sometimes harder than actually what you're doing. For people who may have tried Android or heard about it years ago, when there were some of these accessibility issues, give us the pitch for really what has improved and why someone might want to give Android a second chance? Well, a lot of the glitches have been ironed out. So editing works better um, than it used to. And it's not so much that things have changed from say around the lollipop days, but there are fewer glitches. If you are reading email and you select a bunch of email that you want to delete, Android now tells you which emails are selected if the developer has programmed things correctly. Whereas before you had to just remember what you selected. Um, in an edit field, text selection works pretty much as it did before, but it used to be really buggy. You would um, start the selection mode and sometimes you would lose selection halfway through or if you swiped outside of your edit field, the selection mechanism stopped working. Now all of that works pretty well. It's easier to tap on buttons and to get a consistent response, whereas that used to sometimes get glitchy. And so in general, it's what 
you may have experienced in Android 5 or Android 8, but it works a lot more smoothly, a lot more predictably, and um, it's a better experience. Speech input and dictation can be a real convenience. How good is that on the Android devices? Oh, Android is uh, fantastic with dictation. It it really has improved over time. It's so good with dictation that sometimes I have my phone set to English since I use English more often, especially for sending and receiving text messages and emails and so on. But sometimes I forget to tell Android to switch my language to Spanish and I'll just start dictating things in Spanish and it'll do it correctly. So dictation's great. So it actually recognizes what language you're speaking in addition to understanding what you just said in that language. Exactly. That's pretty cool. So you talked about Android being a little bit glitchy in the early days, particularly with some of the accessibility features, and it sounds like a lot of that has been ironed out. Have there been any sort of big advances or new functionality in accessibility that you've seen over the years? Um, There have been some interesting uh, details. Uh, For example, you can use your fingerprint reader to change certain commonly used settings like your navigation level, things like that. Um, There is an application called Lookout that you can use to see what's around you. For example, as you're walking down the hall, the other day at work, I was walking down the hall and looking for a particular courtroom. And so I used the app to read the the numbers on the courtrooms. Yeah, we had Eve Anderson from Google actually explain that Mm -hmm. application to us on the show a couple of years ago. It sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, it's really a nice app. And so we've had that. Now, I think last time we talked, you indicated that some of the Braille support wasn't quite up to par. Sadly, that is one area where Google is behind iOS. Brailleback is the application that handles Braille support on Android. It has been updated recently to include newer Braille displays like the Orbit. But it really hasn't been improved. There are still areas in Android that don't send Braille to the application. For example, if you're editing a document in Word, you're not going to get any Braille there. And some reading apps like the Bookshare app doesn't send any Braille to Android. So there are places where Braille just doesn't get to the display. Oh, that's unfortunate. (laughs) Yeah. And another thing is the way the app is structured is reflective of old Android, not of new Android. We have these things now called context menus that we select items from to perform certain tasks. And Brailleback doesn't really reflect that. So Braille is not ignored on Android because new displays are being included but it's not really being pushed forward. So that's one area where Android needs more help. My impression from a few years ago was that many of the gestures on Android were pretty cumbersome. So you had to go to the right and then up or whatever combination. Is that still true? 
Well, the Android gesture set has not changed. What has changed is that we can go into TalkBack and select a different gesture for some actions. So if people don't like the right angle gestures, they can use a swipe up or a swipe left to do something like to go home or to go back as opposed to the right angle gestures. We've had that for quite some time now. And um, so some people just uh, ignore the right angle gestures and, and choose something else. So in essence, you're setting up your own custom gestures? Pretty much. We have a limited set of gestures to choose from, so I can't make up my own gesture, but the uh, Android does give me uh, some gestures to choose from. That is a nice feature, though, to be able to customize your experience and what gestures you're using most frequently for what actions. Exactly, and, and that's one of the really nice things about it, and I think that that changed, made a lot of the complaining stop. <laughs> 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 well, and these days there are so many actions that you're trying to make happen that even though the iOS system started out with a much simpler set of gestures, you know, they've invoked gestures using up to four fingers in voiceover where you make multiple taps and then, you know, or a tap and a hold and a slide. So there's, you just need a whole lot of different gestures. You know, that's still one big difference between Android and iOS. Android has a lot fewer gestures, and I think that's one of the adjustments that iOS users um, struggle with a little bit. They would like more gestures to do more custom actions, I guess. And um, Android users just pare it down. We're, we're a simple group of people. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you get the job done, so there's exactly. something to be said for that approach. <laughs> On the flip side of the coin, though, a lot of these smart devices these days can be controlled more and more by voice and voice shortcuts. I wonder how Android is faring in that regard. Android is doing pretty well. It seemed like in the beginning, the voice controls worked better. We had something called voice action, so we could adjust volume and so on with our voices. And then uh, for a while, some of those voice actions didn't work so well, and it seems like we're bringing them back. In fact, one big breakthrough that Android had recently is that on Pixel phones, you can now turn TalkBack on and off. You could not do that until about a year ago. And I believe just recently that has been extended to a few other devices. And so that is a long overdue accessibility improvement that we've been waiting for. Sometimes it's nice to be able to control various aspects of the experience by just speaking a command, saying, turn on this option, open this app, etc. Exactly. And for example, Google does have a smart watch. It's called, well, it's not one particular watch because this is Google, you know. So it's an operating system that's designed for smart watches. It's called Wear OS. And um, one of the, the big drawbacks of this watch from an accessibility point of view is that if your watch doesn't have physical volume up and down buttons, you have a really hard time controlling the volume as you go. Oh, gee. 
Yeah. And so, you know, if you go from being in a quiet room to a busy street, you're kind of out of luck. Not good. In trying to get that volume up. Yeah. And so being able to use your voice to adjust the volume would be ideal on that watch. But it doesn't work very well. At least it didn't the last time I used my watch. I haven't used my watch in a couple of months. So it, that may have changed a little bit. But last time I used it, that was still not working very well. So we have a little Google Mini, and if we initiate a discussion with it by saying, okay, Google, it will respond. Can you do that with the telephone and or the watch? Yes, you can. It works exactly the same way. In fact, on my phone, my phone has, um, I don't remember what it's officially called, but I think of it as the squeezy feature. So I can just squeeze my phone and ask it about the weather or whatever, and it'll respond as if I'd said, hey, Google. How nice. You just give it a nice hug and you get the response you want, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Now, when we talked to you several years ago about Android, you highlighted that Android was often implemented very differently by different phone manufacturers. Is that still the case or is it more standard the experience you get from phone to phone these days? The experience seems to be more standardized. Samsung still does its own thing and it actually comes with its own screen reader. It's um, a fork of TalkBack. And some people like that other screen reader, especially if they come from iOS because it, it's sort of a, a hybrid of the two. Um, but they usually eventually go over to TalkBack because TalkBack is what Google had in mind and it fits more with the whole Android way of doing things. But now uh, what I notice is that phones seem to do more Android and less of their own things. So it doesn't matter so much which phone you get now. Well, it sounds like the operating system has certainly matured over the years and accessibility (laughs) has certainly improved. So I guess more manufacturers are willing to go with kind of the standard system. Yes, exactly. So have you ever experimented with iOS devices and have you ever considered making the change? I actually learned iOS before I learned Android and I found iOS a little overwhelming. I think there were just too many gestures. And so one of the things I really appreciated about Android was it there was a lot less to learn and I didn't have to try to remember how many fingers and how many taps and so on. Once I became better at Android, I went back to iOS to um, learn it a little, mostly because my students had iPhones and I sometimes had to show them how to do something like how to use their browser in a certain way. And um I think by that point, I was such an Android user that I I just couldn't get into the iOS way of doing things. Well, it's nice to know that we do have choices these days and that our choices are, for the most part, pretty accessible. And it's just a question of how you want to work and what operating system you want to deal with. Oh, absolutely. I think that's the best part. People get caught up in the Android iOS wars. And I like that. I think it's hilarious. Even among sighted people, I would sometimes cause trouble in my class by bagging on people's iPhones and (laughs) started the the smartphone war. Um, But I really like that we can participate in that war too, you know, and we, we can 
get feisty about which phone is better because we can use them both. Well, and that's really nice. And accessibility of both systems and the functions that are included with each system continue to improve. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about Android smartphones and how to contact Anna. So if people are interested in learning more about Android or investigating the system a bit more, do you have some resources that you can point them to? Well, the National Braille Press has the book I wrote, and it's a couple of years old, but most of the information in that book is very current and very valid. And the usefulness of that book is that it uh, takes you through Android in a systematic way. So that's one resource. Can you remind our listeners what the name of that book is? The name of the book is Getting Started with Android, and it's a project that I worked on with J.J. Meadow from uh, Blind Bargains. And what other resources would you point our listeners to? There's also the Eyes Free list, so that's a good resource. And the great thing about that list is that people from Google are actually on it. Oh, that's nice. Yes. There are a couple of other lists, um, and I will send you a link for the show notes. And we will certainly have those in the show notes. And are you still active as Access Anna, giving and sharing advice? Yes. For the past year or so, I've been a little quiet because I've had a lot going on. But I'm now that I'm settling into a routine, I think I'm going to be back on the list. And do you want to share any of your contact information with our listeners in case they have questions? Yes, my email address is lot.of.yada at sbcglobal.net. I'm going to spell that L-O-T dot O-F dot Y-A-D-A at sbcglobal.net. I'm glad you spelled that because I thought it was a limerick at first. <laughs> it's too much time on my hands. <laughs> Do you have a social media presence? Yes, I have a Twitter account. It's at Access Anna, and that's A C C E S S A N A. And of course, all of that contact information and resources can be found in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. And if you're interested in hearing some of the previous episodes we did with Anna, just type in her last name, G-A-R-Z-A, into the search field and you'll find those. Or type in the word phone and you'll find lots of shows we did on different kinds of phones. That's it for show number 2010. Next week on Eyes on Success, as indicated previously, we will be reprising an old episode with Anna, number 1744, in which we talked with her about the experience of getting involved, buying a rental property, and becoming a landlord. Have you ever wanted to purchase a house, either to live in or as an investment? Are you thinking that as a blind person, that might be a questionable thing to do? Well, think again. 
We spoke with Anna, who has been blind since childhood, about her experiences buying a rental property and how she's been making it work for her. So be sure to catch that episode if you're interested in becoming a landlord or investing. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy, and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.